Welcome to Just Us and God. This is Ellen speaking. Today's sharing is not the, the sort of message that most of us run to, either to deliver it or to receive it. But I do pray that our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears are open to receive this and to receive it with the intention that the Lord is offering it with. The Lord has been speaking to those who are listening to him for quite some time now. For me, it began with two themes. One of them was a call to support people to learn to listen to God for themselves and the other was identifying the iniquities in our churches primarily in the leadership I think because whatever's going on in the leadership impacts God's people the children he has in those churches This is not judgment or condemnation. It's a warning. I hope to be able to impart it with love and I hope that it's received with an ear to the Father's heart for his people. He loves us. He loves us so much. But he is a God of justice. You know, when Jesus came we see his relationship with the Pharisees and I've, I've sat in churches where the pastors are derisive of the, the Pharisees and almost prideful in their arrogance themselves towards the Pharisees. You know, it's easy for us to see in hindsight what someone has done wrong, even what we've done wrong. But it's less easy for us to see what we're doing wrong. The Bible is full of types and examples of situations and these are imparted, as the scripture says, to teach us. We know that the Pharisees didn't recognise Jesus for who he was because they were stuck in uh, an, an intellectual approach, religious learnings and a culture which was built on things like outward appearances and worldly dividends. Jesus didn't ignore them from the beginning and even when he was chiding them there was frustration and he explained his reason he said you're standing in the doorway you're stopping you're preventing my children from coming through to me from knowing who I am so not only do you not come through but you're blocking them you're stopping them from knowing who I am and I believe that God is drawing parallels between his experience as Jesus, who wasn't recognized for who he is when he walked the earth in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit. It's so important for us to recognize, to see, to be receptive, to be willing to understand. For the most part what God wants is our willingness and he can work with us to do the rest. That Jesus left his Holy Spirit, he told his disciples, go and wait for my spirit and he told them the spirit will be the comforter, he's your guide, he's your teacher. He even said you need no other teacher. Now I'm not saying go and walk away from your teachers necessarily I'm saying be be discerning 
you're discerning who you're feeding from. Because the scribes and the Pharisees rejected Jesus and they condemned him and they crucified him in the end. And 2,000 years later, we still see a body of God's people who followed them and still don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah despite not only the original evidence but mounting uh, bodies of worldly evidence such as where people are deciphering codes in the Bible and so on and so forth. Um, there's one man, I can't remember his name, but he used to be Jewish and now I think he's Messianic Jewish and who discovered um, code-type revelations pointing to Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And God's saying, it doesn't matter what I do, a good or a large proportion of my people are going to turn my back on me. The sad thing is that for some people, it's because they don't know any better. They have been led astray in some ways. The teachings that we receive in the churches lay emphasis in some areas and completely neglect to cover other, other areas. That's an old conversation. There's nothing new in this. Something that I see time and again is that people want to believe that believing on Jesus is enough. And, and if that's the case, I don't know why we have Paul's writings, for example. Because throughout Paul's writings, he brings our attention to the spiritual nature of what God does in our lives. And he exhorts us to allow God to work in us, to put in effort, to be obedient to God, to surrender to God, to listen to God. And there are scriptures throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament which show us that as individuals, his sheep hear his voice. He calls us by name. We have a deep and personal relationship with him. And I can only see three reasons for the most part why we might not have deep, personal, revelatory relationship with the Lord God in person. One of these is because we're not his sheep, we're, we're goats. And Jesus said through parable that there would be tares amongst the wheat and that we don't pull out the tares, we leave them there and at harvest time the wheat will be separated from the tares the goats from the sheep and we are in this time now that the goats and the sheep are being separated the second reason would be lack of awareness which is simply a lack of understanding or that someone's attention hasn't been drawn to something and I believe that that's part of the reason that the Lord is releasing teachings such as this one today. If we haven't set our eyes on something, our attention hasn't been drawn to something, then we're, in a sense, we're not culpable, are we? However, if we have seen something, if our awareness has been brought to an idea or an evidence of something, but we choose not to become fully invested in this something. And yes, I'm speaking about scripture and God's truth and submission to the Lord God Almighty. Then we are culpable, aren't we? And in Romans, I don't remember which chapter. Oh, I think it was the first one, the end of the first chapter of Romans. The God, the Lord essentially makes us all culpable, culpable 
for not turning to him because he shows that in nature God and his greatness, his power, his wisdom, his capacity for design is all revealed. It's all there in nature for us to see. And so that's one of Paul's teachings in the New Testament. And he follows that idea through and he says, essentially, because people have pushed the idea of God out of their heads, he says, everyone, everyone has nature before us. So we have that chance, that opportunity to turn our eyes to God, to want to know him more. But as people have pushed him out of their heads, uh, Romans chapter 1 traces this, the fall of humankind, in a sense, a fall into debauchery and, and desperate lives. There are two sets of scripture that I'm going to share today. The first one is the verse that the Lord really brought my attention to quite emphatically and it's Isaiah chapter 3 verse 12 it says as for my people children are their oppressors and women rule over them oh my people those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths now he's just talked about the wicked and so this verse is specifically talking about the people, those of us who call ourselves Christian. I'm going to read it again. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of the of your paths. Now, I'm not going to come and go into arguments over gender. It's very clear when he says children are their oppressors, he's talking to his people. He's saying people who are not not mature, people who have not matured are in a position where they are oppressing you. Now, if I go to the Bible, sorry, not the Bible, the dictionary online, the definition of oppression is prolonged, cruel or unjust treatment or exercise of authority. There's a popular idea that's often quoted, which is not from the Bible, but I think it fits here. Apparently, I haven't tested it myself, but apparently, if you get a flea and you keep it in, for example, a tank over a long period of time, eventually it will stop jumping. Well, obviously it can't jump higher than the ceiling of the tank. Fleas can jump way higher than that. But inside the tank, they, they're unable to, and over time, it's like they forget that they're able to, so once it's removed from the tank, it only jumps to the height of the ceiling of the tank. And I feel that the Lord's just offering this as um, an analogy to how we can be entrapped in a culture which disempowers us. He's talking about authority I feel that he wants me to share that he's talking about authority here and he wants people to know that when we come under his authority by submission we then carry his authority and he's wanting to say you know people wonder where the gifts are they wonder where their progress their spiritual development is and there's shame and sadness in the churches and people are secretive about their personal experiences what's going on on their inside and in their families because they're confused and they don't have answers and they're saying this is one of the things that's wrong with our churches he's seeing even among the ch the leaders they don't have answers 
And yet, rather than come to me on their knees and say, God, I've been doing it all wrong. I don't have the answers. Can you help me? He's saying, instead of coming to me, they sold you on. And because they've missed that opportunity to come to me and confess their weakness and their dependence on me, they've missed the mark and now they're leaving my, leading my sheep astray. When in fact all we need is to come to repentance and lead one another to repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 tells us that godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation not to be regretted. This is what God's asking for. He's saying this is... This is the avenue. This is, it's like a gateway. Jesus is the gateway. But you know what? That godly sorrow takes us to the foot of the cross on our knees. And that's where we receive a revelation of the cross that no one else can give us. Only Jesus can offer this to us. And it shows us what Jesus has done. And it takes our eyes off other people. And just opens our hearts to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, Paul continues, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so he makes a distinction between a godly sorrow that leads to salvation and a worldly sorrow that leads to death. And so I invite you to spend some time meditating on that with the Lord and asking him if you don't already have a, a clear sense of the distinction between godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow this is something which is essential for us to receive an understanding of in order to progress on our path with Jesus notice that it says leading to salvation if we haven't had an experience of godly sorrow Maybe that we have, but we don't realize that's what it is. And so it's not an invitation to go hard on ourselves, but it's an opportunity for self-examination to allow, allow ourselves to be repositioned to receive from the Lord all that he has for us. The day of judgment hasn't come yet. It is coming, but we have until the day of judgment to get ourselves right. The problem is that we have the wise and the foolish virgins and there will be a period of time just prior to judgment. And I believe we're already entering that period now when the foolish virgins who don't know what it is to be in relationship with the Lord or who have let it slip in their complacency will turn to the wise virgins and ask for the wine, sorry, for the, the oil for their lamps. And the wise virgins because being wise, they know, they know what's coming. They know their situation. They know the consequences of not having that oil, which is the regular, frequent infilling of the Holy Spirit through communion with him and submission to the Father. They will turn to the foolish virgins and say, go and, go and buy some. And when the foolish virgins come back, the door will be shut. And Jesus will say, I did not know you. And that line offers us an explanation in regards to that oil. Do we know about Jesus or do we truly know Jesus? He died so that we could come into direct relationship with him. Unfortunately, we have immature leaders in most of our churches who don't know what it is to be in direct relationship with the Lord. And rather than have the courage, the humility, the vulnerability to speak up and say so because they're used to operating within man-made uh, frameworks, structures, hierarchies and so forth. They're missing out on it. All they need to do is go to the Lord and have a vulnerable moment with him 
but under leaders who don't understand what it is to truly know Jesus and to commune with him and submit to him on a day-by-day basis. Where does that leave God's children? That brings me back again to Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. This is where it leaves them. As, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. O oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. With all of the best intentions, this is what's happening. And again, there's no condemnation with this. And the amazing thing is that at any moment until the day of judgment, we are free to go to God and say, God, I think I'm stuffed up. God, I think I've gone in the wrong direction and I don't know how to get back on your path. I don't know how to do this. My responsibilities, God, have gone unfulfilled. I might not even know what my responsibilities are anymore. And we can come back to God like this in humility and repentance and ask him to set us back on track, to make us right with him. But we can't do that without submission. And if we're not open to the idea that we can truly have a personal and intimate relationship and two-way dialogue with our Lord, then we're just having a conversation with a brick wall, in a sense. Or more like it, the Lord is having a relationship with a brick wall. The other scripture which I feel led to share, you know, I'm not sharing the rest of of Isaiah chapter 3 because it's harsh. Before I share Jeremiah chapter 5, I am just going to share a different version of Isaiah chapter 3 verse 12, just for the sake of diversity and finding different ways, different explanations. I'm going to share uh, from the Amplified version of the Bible. Just waiting on my phone. It's having a little hiccup, so bear with me. So Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12 of the Amplified. No, it's not the Amplified. Sorry. Amplified version reads, O my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, your leaders lead you astray and confuse, destroy, swallow up the direction of your paths. This alludes to our will and purposes in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible says that, that, that the Lord tells us. I know the thoughts that I have for you. Um, It says, you know, his intentions towards us are to have a full life. He has, as I like to tell my children, when we submit to God, his plans for us are way better than any plans that we could make for ourselves. Just imagine if everyone in the world was submitting to God had an ear to his heart and following his direction. Imagine if everything, everyone in one town was doing that. Imagine if everyone in your church was doing that. Wouldn't things be different? But even as an individual, God brings us into divine appointments, meetings with other people who are his children, who do have their ear to his heart. And... It's a beautiful thing when that happens and the difference between spending time with someone who is truly listening to the Lord and following his direction in their lives is a very different experience from spending time with, let's say, a cultural or social Christian 
it's one is rewarding and very fulfilling and the other leaves me feeling sad and so um, as I was saying before I share from Jeremiah chapter 5 I believe that it's that the Lord is leading to me to share something which I've been hesitant to share in the past and so I haven't done until I've had his direction. This is not something new. There are people with an ear to the Lord's heart who have been sharing this and the signs are there, the signs and the wonders are freely available for all to see and so many people are saying we're in the end times, we're in the end times and yet there's this cognitive dissonance which means that we're holding two conflicting ideas in our minds which is not a healthy space to be in where people are seeing and freely discussing the terrible things that are happening in these other nations and yet they can't comprehend for a second that those things might come to us and so I'm going to speak very clearly here and share that the Lord has been saying that famine is coming to us, to our nations that war is coming not just some war that where we send troops off to someone else's country to rape and pillage but where those behaviours are coming here we know we have pestilence every day when I open up my phone for some reasons reason I get notifications from a, no, a news channel and every every day for the last five days I have received notifications for news articles that easily fit into the category of end time biblical prophecy such as have you checked out the news about the mouse plague that's been going on since last October on the east coast of Australia where towns are running out of mouse traps and mouse poison and it's normal for people to be catching and killing 500 mice a night in their ordinary three-bedroom three home. In uh, Isaiah chapter 3, it talks about how the sins of Gomorrah, in other words, sexual sin, isn't even being hidden. We know these things. And again, these are signs and wonders. It's God's warning to us. It's an invitation for us to take stock and come and seek him and submit to him because after all, he is our God and creator and he has a plan for us he didn't make us and then just toss us aside he loves us and he cares for us deeply and he wants us to come back to him this is the theme the recurring theme throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament the Lord introduces us to his solution and unfortunately we've nibbled off the first tiny bit and walked away thinking that we have the fullness of what Christ has to offer us when we have barely licked the surface of it. And so again, our God is a God of love. He's wrathful, but we don't have to experience his wrath. There's no point. We can pray against bad things happening in our lives and to other people as much as we like. But there are some things which have been preordained before time according to God's wisdom, which is high above our own wisdom, which are going to happen whether we like it or not. And our only protection in these circumstances is to be surrendered to God in a very real way, out of love for him and trust and respect for him as our creator who loves us and yet is also a God of justice who has no partiality towards people.
And so I just want to pause now and say self-condemnation is not from God, it's from the enemy. If you're feeling self-condemnation or panic rise up, rebuke them by all means. Rebuke them by all means. We don't need to follow that rabbit hole. We don't need to go down the path of judging one another or accusation or being fearful. All we need to do is turn to God and admit our weaknesses, our mistakes, our faults, whatever, where we've used free will for temporal gain and pleasure or gone according to our own wisdom and done righteous things. We might have done amazing, wonderful things in our own strength and according to our own wisdom. And yet if we haven't been doing what God wants us to do, then we're outside of his will. And so our protection, that protection I'm speaking of, the only protection that we have when the bad things come into our lives is if we're in his will, if we're seeking his protection, and we're communing with him, spending time with him, learning to hear his voice. Because when we do start to listen to God, there are many other voices that are going to come and try to distract us or deceive us. We also know that the end times is the time of the great uh, falling away and when the Lord allows his people to succumb to a great deception. Now, if we don't want to be counted amongst those who are under the deception, we need to be coming to God. We need to be being washed with the word. We need to be willing to relinquish control over our own lives and accept the possibility that we may have been deceived. There may be more that God wants to show us. It may be that there's another way, a better way, which was conceived by God our Saviour and that we have only picked off a tiny bit of that and for whatever reasons we have left the rest of it behind. We have a responsibility to ourselves and others for our self-care and what that means now in this day and age is that we're surrendered to God, not just partly but fully surrendered and that doesn't mean going from one day mm, sinning willfully and the Bible says if we are willfully sinning then there is no sacrifice for sins. There's another scripture that says, um, you know, if we've tasted, uh, it's essentially saying that if we have, if we've known what it's like to be communing with the Holy Spirit and we've turned away, then to come back, in fact, I think it says we can't come back to that original position because it's like putting Jesus on the cross again. But let's go forward with hope. Let's set our eyes on the kingdom, on Christ Jesus. Let's ask him for forgiveness. Let's humble ourselves. Ask him to burn away our pride, burn away the dross. Don't listen to me and think that I'm saying that I'm perfect now, that I've been perfected, that I have no pride. I have a hell of a long way to go. And I'm helpless because I know that it's God that does this in me. But I'm not so deceived to think that all those pages of the scripture that Paul wrote somehow don't apply to me because I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that's the end of the story. I know that if God made provision for that scripture to be shared with us, with me, I need to take it into my heart and take notice of it and say, well, how does that apply to me? Not, how can I ignore that? How can I rationalize that out of existence so I can just go on focusing on the things that are important to me in a temporal sense or measure? Thank God that he's gracious and merciful and kind that we can turn to him at any point 
and our sins will be blotted out. But we do need to turn to him. We do need to surrender to him. This is a real situation and this is why I, for one, am risking all sorts of things by speaking freely in this podcast. It's also because I have obedience to the Lord because I have a personal relationship with him. I love him because he first loved me. He chose me and called me to him. And I spend time with him on a daily basis, building that relationship, learning from him, learning to trust him. And he gives me experiences which show me in my life, in my lived experiences, that the God who wrote the Bible, the God that's described in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit as he is described, is not some fable. It's not his very nature. It's not a parable. The Lord uses parables beautifully to teach us about him. But he is not a figment of our imaginations. He is not fiction himself. He's very real. And... We are waiting, thinking that his wrath will never come to our own detriment. There's a scripture somewhere that says, you know, you think, you say to yourself, oh, these prophecies will never come to pass, but they're going to come to pass very quickly. He gave me that scripture months ago. He's warning us, and and this is a warning. And he's giving this warning at the last minute, so to speak, because he loves us so much and he wants us to turn to him before it's late, too late to turn to him, before we become the foolish virgins, before those doors close on us. And Jesus says to us, I never knew you. Can you, if you can't confidently say that you know that Jesus knows you in person, then it's time to set aside the things of this world and prioritise his relationship with you. And the beautiful thing is that you can do that at any moment. You can do it. And he will rearrange things once you set your heart upon him once more. He loves us so very much, but he's sending a warning. He sends these warnings. You know, just for a second there as I was speaking the time went to 3737 the timing of the podcast and I sat for a moment and I wondered what's what is that it jumped out at me as things do sometimes and three three when I say 333 my understanding is that it's a message that God is with me and seven is uh, generally recognized as uh, closure or finishing it is finished so 3737 to me just reaffirms part of what's in this message one of the themes God is with us and it's finished God is with us and it's finished I feel that we are we really you know it's five minutes to midnight almost I'm not saying that God's coming back tomorrow, that Jesus is returning tomorrow or next week or in three months even. But the thing is that all these factors come together so that if we're not surrendered to him and communing with him, then we're not surrounded by a bubble of his presence and um, filled with his glory and receiving his guidance for our lives moment to moment so that we know when to sit still, when to open our mouths, when to close our mouths, when to walk somewhere, when to flee to the mountains, whatever, you know. We need to be able to receive God's direction because things are going to change quickly. And God's children need to be able to follow his directions. So if we have positioned ourselves or accepted an appointment by man or from God to be a leader, we have a responsibility to either be sharing with his children these things helping them to learn even checking in and asking do you have a very real intimate relationship with Jesus do you know how to do it do you want to know how let's go on this adventure together and learn how to do it without that we are unprotected 
we can build castles if we want to we can buy up heaps of guns there are people doing it particularly in America but heaps of guns um, we can buy up as much food as we want we can run away to the hills and the mountains but if we're not doing it in submission to God and with his guidance through his Holy Spirit who is our comforter our guide our teacher and so on then we're misguided and we're vulnerable but if we are in relationship with God then it doesn't matter what comes what we might suffer we could be in chains in prison expecting to be killed the next day like Paul and Silas and God will either deliver us from that situation or he's going to give us his peace beyond all understanding as we go through whatever comes whether that happens to be martyrdom now I'm not suggesting that we run and put our hands up to be martyred there are martyrs in the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and there have been martyrs ever since Jesus Jesus walked the earth in the flesh and there would have been martyrs yesterday and martyrs today in foreign nations and so again we're fooling ourselves if we want to tell ourselves these things will never come to our shores we have the privileged ones somehow God is no respecter of persons his wisdom is way above ours and the only protection is in surrender and communion with him now I don't want anyone to be feeling like there's no hope again we just need to turn to him and I think something that is not spoken of enough amongst God's people his children is that when he left Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would come we're told in the Bible that when we turn to Jesus we receive the Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit is in us and so when it comes to communing with God we already have his spirit in us to commune with us when it comes to being shaped to be uh, from glory to glory or to have our minds transformed or to um, to take every thought captive that's a very clear scripture take every thought captive we can do that because the Holy Spirit helps us to and so the more we intentionally intentionally engage with God through his Holy Spirit and through prayer and worship time with him quiet time the easier that becomes and yes it's challenging to begin with and yes we have adversaries who want to hold us back but we're told it's an endurance race we're told to endure to the end we're told having done all just stand so we need to do all that we can and to stand I just pray that 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 convicts us because conviction is an awareness it's how the Holy Spirit shows us where we're out of place where we're not in step with Jesus so that we can get back in step with him so I just pray that you don't allow the enemy to get a foothold through what you're hearing and how you're hearing it in his teaching God is giving us this warning again because he loves us and he has given us the provision we need to be the people that he needs us to be. And with that, I think I can read Jeremiah chapter 5. Again, I'm reading this with love, with the intention that the Lord wants to share it. It's a fairly long chapter. Because he loves us and to be forewarned is to be prepared. And what is our preparation? And number one priority in preparing is to surrender to God, to succumb to him at the cross, to recognize that his way is way above ours. We can't do it in our own strength or wisdom. That man's strength man's structures that he has built 
aren't going to get us anywhere when it comes to these tribulations and that we need, truly need God. It's for us to cry out to him and allow our vulnerability, our weakness, to be his strength in us. When we surrender to him and express how weak we are and how dependent we are on him, and we do this with a sincere heart, if you can't do that from a sincere heart, do whatever it takes to position yourself. You know, we're human. Sometimes it takes the right worship music or reading the right scripture or sitting there for long enough but you can ask for God's assistance to position you. If you want to do that, don't go telling yourself that, oh, you're a goat and you're counted out. No, I'm not going to allow Satan to do that to us. If you care, you're a sheep. God loves you. You're one of his lambs. You're precious to him. You're one of the lost, if you are one of the lost. And if you are one of the lost, he will take you, he will go and he'll leave the 99 and come looking for you. But are you going to come walking towards him? Because as we draw to him, he draws near to us. He's always trying to talk with us. He's always trying to shower us with his love. But we busy ourselves with programs on the TV, radio programs, um, get fit programs, um, projects, get rich proje projects, um, ministries of our own devising. You get the picture. I'm not sure what I was saying there, but here's Jeremiah chapter 5 to bless you and encourage you and bring you closer to the Lord in Jesus' name. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if you can find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment who seeks the truth and I will pardon her though they say as the Lord lives surely they swear falsely O Lord are not your eyes on the truth you have stricken them but they have not grieved you have consumed them but they have refused to receive correction they have made their faces harder than rock they have refused to return Therefore I said, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. I will go to the great men and speak to them, for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Therefore a lion from the forest shall slay them, a wolf of the deserts shall destroy them, a leopard will watch over their cities, everyone who goes out from there shall be torn in pieces. Because their transgressions are many, their backslidings have increased. How shall I pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by those that are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. They were like well-fed lusty stallions, everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Go up on her walls and destroy, but do not make a complete end. Take away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not he, neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. And the prophets become wind, for the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts, Because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and this people wood, and it shall devour them. Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation, it is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say, their quiver is like an open tomb. They are like mighty men, and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you, and it will be when you say, 
Why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, Just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that is not yours. Declare this in the house of Jacob, and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it? And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these things away, and your sins have withheld good from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men as a cage is full of birds. So their houses are full of deceit. Therefore they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper, and the right of the needy they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things? Says the Lord, shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? The Lord really showed me the sad, sad situation whereby no one is to blame any more than anyone else. We're all culpable for the, the how casually we approach God and the things of God in our lives. And we have leaders who don't know how to teach the word for people's transformation but we also have people sitting in pews who don't want to hear teaching for transformation they're happy to hear things that let them glance in the mirror and then walk away they're not ready to fully submit to the Lord God and so I know that there may be people who are offended, fully offended, or think this is rubbish. And that's okay because we know biblically, I'm sorry, biblically, not everyone is going to join Jesus at the sound of the trumpet. What I think saddens me the most is that there are many people who think that they will be joining Jesus but they've allowed themselves to be deceived because it's easier, because the narrow path, which is difficult, is not appealing to them. And so again, they have this cognitive dissonance where hopefully somewhere deep inside they have a knowing that Christianity is so much more than they've experienced. And yet they've been walking in complacency. The Lord said to me, not to me personally, but to share that his church is profane. You can see why I didn't rush out to share a message like this. I've been hearing it for more than two years. The definition of profane is this, to treat something sacred with abuse, irreverence or contempt, desecrate, to debase by a wrong, unworthy or vulgar use. Again, to treat something sacred with abuse, irreverence, as in casually, or contempt, to desecrate, to debase by a wrong, unworthy or vulgar use. 
And again, I'm sharing this message out of obedience to the Lord. And because it's a warning for us, it's a heads up that we need to get prepared. We need to get into right alignment with God, which is a definition of righteousness, what righteousness is. We need to be reading the Bible for ourselves with our eyes open and asking God to pair us. I'm hearing pair us as in P-E-A-R. Sorry, P-A-R-E, I think. Um, I'm going to have to look up that definition. I'm just going to leave that with you to, to look it up for yourself. I'm personally asking him for a heavy pruning for myself. I want to seek his truth and his truth alone. I want to learn to live in his righteousness. I know that leaving sins behind can be incredibly difficult and it takes persistence. But I know equally that God has given us his Holy Spirit, the indwelling of his very presence with us, with comfort, guidance, and escape out of every temptation. Why would Paul share that? I think it's Paul. Why would the scripture tell us that, that God gives us an escape out of every temptation why would jesus tell us to lust is adultery to hate is murder if we're tempted to just ignore those sayings we're in a dangerous place let that be a red light that goes on on the dashboard and says hold on i might need to take a deep breath and reassess my priorities because god loves us He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be saved from the tempest in the day of destruction. I'm also going to share chapter 6 of Jeremiah. It reads like this. O you children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. The tribe of Benjamin traditionally was prophets and archers, so watchmen. O you children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a signal fire in Beth Hakarem, saying, Raise the alarm, for disaster appears out of the north and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come to her. They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture in his own place. Prepare war against her, arise and let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away, for the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise and let us go by night and let us destroy her palaces. For thus has the Lord of hosts said, Cut down trees and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. As a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before we continually are grief and wounds, be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel. I'm going to say it quickly because I'm running out of time for the recording. As a grape gatherer, put your hand back into the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who is full of days, and their houses shall be turned over to others, fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I have to finish now. I invite you to read the entirety, including the remainder of chapter 6 of Jeremiah, yourself. May you be blessed mightily and the Lord bless you.